This is The God Show, a conversation about the human spirit, with your host, Pat McMahon. Censorship? (laughs) Censorship in a free country like the United States of America? Unthinkable. Banned books. Now, wait a minute. Now, that's part of World War II, banning and burning. But it does happen. And libraries are closing because there are families in the neighborhood who want them closed because they don't want those books on the shelves. Am I making that up? Uh Uh-uh, not even part of it. And you'll find out, if you haven't found out about it already, with some of the articles that have been written about censorship in America, keeping our young people away from those subjects. And I'll tell you something, I am so looking forward to talking about that subject with Dr. James Blasingame, professor in the Department of English at Arizona State University, here now, uh, a brand new guest on a subject we haven't really touched on that much over the years. And uh, for those of you who are listening in other countries, And you say, well, what's new about banning books? What's new about restricting certain areas of information in our libraries? We have that all the time. Or maybe you don't have libraries at all. Let's talk about that with Dr. James Blasingame. Fascinating background academically. And we're not even getting into all of the places that you've taught and all of the places where you've studied because it will take up the rest of the hour. But I really would like to find out about one facet of your background, Native American tribal guest. Tell me about that. Oh, my goodness. Well, I have to tell you, right now, we've just started a new program, uh, the Arizona Humanities, which is the state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Got, uh, we got a couple million dollars from, uh, from Congress to do different humanities programs around the state. There's something for everyone, and we were able to connect with Brooke Curlyhair, who is the program coordinator for the Department of Indian Education for the Arizona Department of Education, and we're putting on a four-part program. We're bringing in some of the most famous young adult and children's authors of indigenous Native American literature, And we're making this available in person and virtually to tribal communities all over the state, maybe all over the nation, and maybe even in other parts of the world. What were the two tribes that you visited, though? There were two tribes in your your biography. Oh, uh, well, the the, um, Arizona State University lies on the lands of the Akamel O'otham and the Peeposh nations. And I have done uh, work primarily with Diné, or Navajo, Hopi, Apache, and uh, of the different Othams, the Tohono Otham, the Akamel Otham, that are in in Arizona. We've done quite a bit with their reading programs, bringing in authors, uh, providing books for kids. And now, with this new program, uh, through the Department of Ed in Arizona, we'll be providing lesson plans and expert speakers and bringing in many more authors. Will you contact my producer, Rosemary, please? I know you know her number. Contact her 
as soon as you decide that there's one in particular, or maybe two, of the indigenous people who can explain to me, the white guy, why it is that we have treated and continue to treat our indigenous people with such cruelty. I absolutely can. That's a cause of mine and something I've never understood. So, on another plane, at a much happier plane than that, you as a school bus driver for 24 years, before we ever get into censorship or libraries and banning books, I want to find out that we can find out about the background of each of our guests, including this career facet. Oh my gosh, I drove a school bus uh, all of my, my K-12 career, and when I got to the tiny little farm high school, Interstate 35 High School in Madison County, Iowa, I was the principal there when they made the movie Bridges of Madison County. Oh. And sometimes I had to fill in, even though I was a principal, I had to fill in for a bus route. And because it's 75 miles by 50 miles, our school district, you don't drive a bus all the way. You drive halfway and trade buses and kids with somebody else. And the first time I went out, I got 50 miles from the school, traded buses, and I'm getting ready to leave, and I can't find the parking brake. And the, I can't get the bus to go, and the guy in the bus barn, Randy, he, he radios me, Jim, are you... Are you about back? And not, not yet. <laughs> I, and finally, under my breath, I say, where in the heck is that parking brake? And this little boy, must have been a kindergartner, sitting on the very front seat, he reaches up under the dash and points. And I reach up. Sure enough, there it is, the parking brake. So he had been watching that bus driver. You know, how do you shift the gears? How do you oh. get parking brake? And I released the parking brake, and we, we came on back. Did you ever look up? Where that little kid is now. He saved your life, you know that. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. I, I, I don't know, but that, that little school, we had AP calculus. We had AP physics. We had a full uh, jazz band. We had everything because those, uh, those uh, people on the farm, they want their kids to have a good education. We had more than one Rhodes Scholar from tiny little Interstate 35 High School. You hear those voices, though, from around the world? You hear those voices internationally, they're saying. You know, I thought we were going to be talking about censorship in America and some of those hot subjects uh, that are keeping books out of libraries around the country. And this guy sounds like a really neat guy, but fairly typical academic, a professor, school bus driver, Midwestern background, probably married another school bus driver or teacher, a little ordinary kind of wimpy lady. Right? Uh, tell me about your wife's career. Oh my Jim. gosh, Lori! My wife, Lori, was Miss Nevada, and she was the I think the most um, Miss Amiability or something in the Miss America pageant. But she's a ballroom dance instructor, and she brought the Argentine tango to Arizona. She can teach anything. In fact, she and I did a Viennese waltz number that she choreographed at Segal Castle in Austria for international students. Oh, my gosh. When Does was Michael that? Crow, the president of Arizona State, <laughs> know about this sinful part of your life, the tango and sexy dances? He, he, he does not, but you're right. Argentine tango is, uh, well, if you're going to be censoring dances, that would might be worse. Okay, but, so now we're going to get... 
talking to the guy who was married to Miss Nevada, and maybe we can have her on sometime talking about that part of their lives. Closing libraries. I don't think that the vast majority of people who at least are listening to this in the United States can relate to that. They've probably never dreamed that a library could ever be closed because a lack of a lack of support by some of the families in that community. But it's happening in Texas, happening in uh, Iowa. It's happening in a variety of countries. Could happen here in Arizona. Talk to us about why they're closing the libraries. It's happening all over, Pat, and it just happened, or a lot of things happened in Venton, Iowa, which is a, a beautiful little town very near where I grew up in eastern Iowa. And in those small towns in Iowa, uh, the library and the school are the heart of the town. And librarians have typically been highly respected because, you know, they, they know so much about uh, uh, education, culture, the world, and they try to provide that uh, for the kids. Um, our librarian in Truro, Iowa, um, Mrs. McClure, when I was the, the principal, if, if there was a kid in trouble, uh, and by trouble I mean causing trouble, <laughs> I would say, what are you interested in? Well, I, I like to go raccoon hunting and I like my, my coon hounds. I'm sending you down to Mrs. McClure right now and I'd call her and say, He's coming down, and he needs books on dogs. What are some good books? And she'd make a stack of, mm. of uh, Where the Red Fern Grows yes. and Sounder and um, My Life in Dog Years. And that kid would come away with a stack of books and a little bit changed for the better. So these libraries in small towns, for me, it was the Bookmobile uh, in rural Iowa. Oh. And um, uh, they would, uh, my, my first uh, most favorite book was have Spacesuit, Will Travel, which is an allusion to the old uh, Paladin show, Have Gun, Will Travel. And Robert Heinlein wrote that book. And oh my gosh, it's science opened fiction up worlds. Author, yes. Yes. Opened up worlds for me. Um, this not trusting the librarian and the library staff and the books that they buy, it's kind of new, but it's happening. It's happening all over. All right. Fahrenheit 451, Ray Bradbury, and everybody who's ever been in touch with science fiction literature, knows that name, a legendary author. And it was a book about a period of time when books were burned. Books were burned in your home. Books were burned wherever it is that they did not accept, uh, they were not accepted by the government at that time. And books in general were not accepted by the government at that time because they provided troublesome information. Now, in real life, of course, at least some of us remember reading the headlines about World War II and the Third Reich that was Hitler's regime, and there was book burning going on in the streets of not only Germany, but also Poland and Austria, because once again, they contained unacceptable information. But that isn't a political thing right now, is it, Jim? Uh, right now, the, the topics are things like homosexuality and librarians and teachers who are suspected of grooming, of grooming students to be homosexuals, if that is even remotely possible. Race, critical race theory, the occult, Harry Potter being burned 
and being banned. Uh, do we have to worry about this sweeping the country? Uh, Pat, as you said, with uh, uh, Hitler and the Third Reich, it was political. I, I would say that this is cultural, and it comes, I think, from a lot of misinformation. Um, Harry Potter, for example, it, it's, it's not an allegory for some uh, occult uh, wizardry and witchcraft. It's just a fun story. It's just a fun story about, uh, if you think about it, uh, kids who felt a little different in their, uh, their, their school, felt a little nerdy and a, a little um, unwelcome, only to find out, well, there's a special school for kids just like you. Hogwarts. Hogwarts, that's right. And, you know, here in the Valley we have, for example, one of my favorite schools, Arizona School for the Arts. And those kids who like singing and dancing and performing and poetry and literature, Arizona School for the Arts is just perfect uh, for them. Uh, in fact, we'll be having our state English teachers convention at Arizona School for the Arts on September 24th. So... Harry Potter, we don't need to be afraid of Harry Potter. Now, one of my uh, good friends, Christopher Paul Curtis, who wrote Bud Not Buddy, The Watsons Go to Birmingham, uh, some Coretta Scott King Award winners, Newbery Medal winners, American Library Association, Best Books for Young Readers. Uh, one of his books, The Watsons Go to Birmingham, is historical fiction, but it's based on uh, Chris's real life, where he and his uh, family... He's a little boy in the story. They go to a little country town outside of Birmingham, but they happen to drive through Birmingham when the church burnings happen and the five little girls are killed in, in the fire. Yes, yes. Um, that's the kind of book that some people are saying, well, we, we don't want our kids to read that. They'll just feel bad that somebody did that. But I think we need to read those books. We need to know that if we're not careful... Some people will do those things again. Are these the same people in general terms that are opposed to children in grade school and high school learning about America, that part of America during the Civil War, that embraced slavery? Well, I, I think that may, may very well be, um, uh, Pat. And, I think a, a lot of people, um, they haven't read the book that they want to ban. And I've been oh. personally involved in two of those where I was called in as an expert witness. And uh, What were the books? Well, one of them was uh, Twisted by Laurie Hall Sanderson, in, in which uh, uh, some parents said, well, these, these kids, uh, they're going to they're gonna have sex and there's a beer party. And... Now, as a former high school principal and Sunday school teacher, I can tell you I hate high school beer parties. Horrible things happen at those. Kids are killed. Lives are changed. No, no high school beer parties. And yes, there is one in, in this story. And the main character who, you know, he's got a crush on this girl and she gets drunk and she says, let's have sex. And he says, what? No, not like this. This is not, this is not how I ever wanted this to happen. And he goes back to his nerdy video game playing friends. Well, what a morality story that oh, is. Oh, don't you think? But the people who wanted to ban it hadn't read it. Uh, so they just, they just know there's some sex involved and some beer involved. And so therefore, it's 
going to influence our kids? Is that the problem? Yes, and, and in fact, another college professor at another university, I won't name him and I won't name the university, but uh, he, he has a, a little following on his, his blog and podcast. He described the book as, as uh, pornography, and it's not. It is, as you say, a moral cautionary tale. So another book, uh, Chris Crutcher is one of the best young adult authors, and one of, in one of his books, some kids are running away, a boy and a girl, they're going to go up to their, their family's cabin and, and have sex. And um, the parents were against this, and so the, they challenged it, and the book committee at the school district read the book, and they said, well, we kind of think we want our kids to read this book. Did you, did you read the rest of it? Because they go up to the cabin and they decide, maybe this is not such a good idea. Uh, uh. Maybe we're not really ready for this. And they don't. So, you know, I kind of think we ought to be reading these books. Well, and isn't that a book that you want to recommend to your uh, kids? Yes, absolutely. Because every high school kid that I know, heterosexual or homosexual, are sexual. And they're thinking about it, and they're thinking about when is it going to happen. And if they're making a judgment based on it's not time for it to happen, wow, what a lesson that is. Yes, absolutely. So, all right, if mom and dad are supposed to be responsible for guiding their kids along appropriate paths of growth, then... Who are these other people that are making decisions for the moms and dads and for the kids as to what they should read and what they shouldn't read? Well, it's interesting you should bring that up, Pat, because let me uh, point out, and I, I'll be teaching this in my young adult literature class in about two weeks, and that's the law, the court precedents on, on censorship. And as a parent, and I, I'm a, a grandparent, I have uh, five granddaughters and a, and a grandson, you have the right to decide what your kids do or don't read in school and what curriculum. Uh, you have that right, and it's, uh, it comes out of the anti-establishment clause that you get to practice your, your religion. But you don't get to decide what other people should read. Oh. And this was the court case, Pico versus Island Trees. And I have a list of the books that were, um, they were going, uh, going to ban. A parent group wanted to get rid of... Uh, uh, of some books. These are all um, very important award-winning award books. And the, the Supreme Court decided, five to four though, but the Supreme Court decided that, you know, you have the right to decide what your children read, but it's a violation of First Amendment rights of access to ideas if you want these other books banned because you don't agree with the ideas in them. And the way the court put it was that... Um, you don't get to decide what is orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion for other people. So a community, you know, they, they, they get to decide who's on the school board. They elect them. They get to decide who's on the library board, but they don't get to come in after the fact and say, but I don't want that book because it does this and that because I don't agree with that with that idea. Who controls the public libraries? We, we elect uh, or a, a, a group of um, officials in the town uh, create a uh, library board. Is there one here in Phoenix? You know in what? In cities this size, Chicago, Detroit, Phoenix. I, I believe so. And my, my good friend, um, uh, Carl uh, Kendall at the 
the Phoenix Library, the, the big one, the downtown library. Yes. I was with him all day on Friday. I wish I'd asked him that question. Uh, but it is. It's a board of people who know about books and know about uh, readers. And uh, no, no uh, uh, oh, what can I say? No ill-intended person is choosing books for libraries. They do try to t pick a book for everybody. So they do try to have, um, you know, some books for Asian uh, readers and sure. some books for LGBTQ readers. Let me point out that um, the highest suicide rates in teenagers are those kids who have been the farthest marginalized. Uh, and I've seen the statistics on Asian kids and LGBTQ kids that high suicide rates and uh, those who have attempted off and failed often say, well, everybody thinks I'm different. No, nobody, nobody loves me. One of the things that studies have shown over and over again is that fiction reading develops empathy in kids for people who are not like them. Fiction reading helps them to uh, discover an identity for themselves and create the best version of themselves, uh, the version that they can live with, the, the moral, uh, upstanding, um, I, I love... Uh, uh, love my life virgin and I'm going to do the best I can virgin of themselves but it also helps them to understand other people because they're reading from somebody else's point of view in a life One, when I was editor of a, a journal called the Allen Review we got a, a study in from somebody who worked with incarcerated boys and found out uh, after having a, a year-long reading program with them that when they started these boys they couldn't identify with other people. So when they hurt them, they didn't feel anything. But after reading fiction for a year, it was changing. They were starting to feel empathy for other people. And hopefully their, uh, you know, their, <laughs> their evil ways uh, were, uh, were on the run. In the last few years, we've all heard African-American actors, uh, politicians, people who are in the public say, in casual and relaxed one-on-one -on -one interviews, how many times as they were growing up, for the first time they saw somebody that looked like them? I remember a, a, a black comic uh, saying, you know, there were a lot of black actors and, and uh, comics as I was growing up, and I really always enjoyed their work. They were always maids. Uh, they were always cab drivers. Uh, they were always uh, folks who were in those kinds of subservient positions. And then one day, I saw a doctor being played by somebody who looked like me. And to tell you the truth, as a white Irish guy, it never occurred to me the impact that that had on that one performer who was telling me how important that was. And since then, so many folks who have said, well, listen, there's a commercial and that person looks like me and on and on and on. The trans people most recently have been seeking somebody that looks or is like them, right? Yes, yes. You know, it's interesting you should say that because I've published uh, hundreds of interviews with authors 
And time after time, young adult authors will say, I wrote the book that wasn't there for me when, when I was that age. And one of the questions they often get asked with their, their debut bestseller novel is, well, what was the book that changed it for you and made you become a reader? And uh, one, of the, one of the most famous, um, Christopher Paul Curtis said, when I was that age, there just wasn't a book by, for, or about an African-American teen. Walter mm. Dean Myers would come along uh, just, just a few years later, but um, there was, was nothing there. And so uh, when he was able, he wrote that book, and so did uh, Eric Gansworth, who was a member of the Haudenosaunee Nation, and Bill Konigsberg, a local author who um, uh, is always very near having a movie... <laughs> <laughs> or a Netflix limited series made out of his books. And if you can ever get Bill on, on, on the show, he's a, a fabulous author, does a lot for kids. And there are moms and dads, and I really have to believe that they are well-intended, uh, uh, but their efforts at keeping books out of the library, keeping books out of the hands of their children, when, in fact, they could prevent their children from reading books that they disapprove of by simply saying as a family, we don't want you to read that. We don't want you to read that for a while. We don't approve of that. And they can make it a family thing. But as you said, don't make those decisions for other people and other families. Decisions not just on critical race theory, not just the contemporary lives of, uh, of gay citizens, but classic books like Huck Finn. Huck Finn still, still prevented from being on the shelves of some books. What are you looking up with Huck Finn? I've got the top 100 books over time, and Huck Finn is right up there, one of the most... Uh, most to challenge now these banned. are these are banned books, right? Yes, banned okay, books. G- give me the top ten right now. What are the top ten as the of a- this moment? Some of these you'll laugh at. The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian. <laughs> Captain Underpants. Oh. Thirteen Reasons Why. Looking for Alaska. George, and Tango Makes Three, which is about the 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 gay penguins yes. raising the egg. Um, drama which is a graphic novel, Fifty Shades of Grey, which was originally fan fiction based on Twilight. Yes. But it was uh, about sex. Internet Girls, The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. I was also in, uh, I brought in as an expert witness. That's a young black girl. Yes, yes. The Kite Runner. Wow. Hunger Games. <laughs> I Am Jazz. Oh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, which I love that book. Well, To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> Bone, which is also oh, I'm down to sixteen. I'll, I'll there, stop. There, there are folks right now who are saying, "Wait a minute, I watched that on television," or "Oh, it was banned." Gee, we have that here at home. Uh, they're going to be very surprised. Maybe not as surprised as Raisin in the Sun. Oh yes, one of the most performed plays on the American stage from an extraordinary book. Oh, yeah, it had those black people in it. And some of the white folks didn't come off too well. Uh, That's reason enough to keep it out of the library, right? Uh, Then there's that, uh, well, they're not all within our lifetimes. Then there's that old book, the Bible. 
If you and I and I, you know, I'm a Sunday school teacher from way back, and I learned most of what I know about teaching from watching my mother teach Sunday school. Uh, and one of my greatest heroes was the Reverend Caspers at our church. Just a a, a wonderful man. If I, my life could be like his, I, I would be happy. But if you make a list of the of the the rapes and the the beatings and uh, in the Bible, oh my gosh, it's some pretty uh, risque stuff. Yeah, listen, you're shocking some people. They're going into the bookshop right now, taking a look at this Bible thing and saying, do we really want this kind of literature in our family? Uh, Anne Frank. Oh, Anne, my gosh. Anne Frank has been banned. Is, is that because we'll offend Nazis? Well, I think, oh, my gosh, and isn't that just horrible? Because what a, the Holocaust, what a, um, a, a, blo- a, a blotch or a, a, a scar on the, on the human race. But I, with Anne Frank, it's because, you know, she's a teenage girl. She's keeping a journal, and she's starting to have sexual awakening feelings, and she writes about that. Now, you, you, may, uh, you may know James Joyce's book, Ulysses. Oh, yes. Every American literature major is assigned to read it, and some of them even do. But when it came here in 1934, it was banned. And Random House would eventually make a ton of money off of fighting this in court. But one of the reasons it was banned was because there was a female character in the book and she had those kinds of thoughts about men. And what was the scarlet letter? A? No. (laughs) M? Uh, A for adultery. Yeah. A classic around the world, except in some libraries. Who are the activists, though, that are attempting, and sometimes successfully, keeping books out of the libraries of schools and the public library that belongs to all of us. I think that there are are different people, and uh, as you say, uh, many of them are well-intentioned, and I I have heard a lot of people say, well, I I want our children to uh, maintain innocence as long as they can. Uh, However, I've had some uh, graduate students uh, talking about this and saying, boy, by the time they're in high school, that train has already left the station. Uh, they know things that their parents might not even be aware of. Uh, what's out there on the Internet uh, and in uh, different social media, um, they're aware. And uh, so I think, although some folks are well-intentioned, then there are others who, well, if I just, if my kids never read about slavery... Or if we we never know about, you know, there was a time when it was illegal to be Chinese in the United States. And every town had an anti-China organization. Um, You know, we brought brought the Chinese over to build the railroad. And then, well, we don't want you here anymore. Uh, It'll be as if it never happened. If we don't read those books, it'll be as if it never happened. And we won't have to... Now feel the guilt. But that's a reality in today's elections right now. And and when we talk about the campaigns that are going on, there are people who are saying, uh, with signs on the side of the road, uh, the critical race theory will never be a part of the school system of my district or my state. We're speaking to Dr. James Blasingame, uh, who's a part of the Department of English at Arizona State University. And so far, in this first half hour, he's become one of my favorite guests. Uh, we, we don't invite guests here to agree with the host by any means, because most of the time that's kind of a boring program. I wanted to find out about the details about why. Why is this happening? Why is censorship? 
in the United States with the kind of constitution that we have about freedom of speech, uh, I, uh, I still want to know if it's a matter of religion or is it a matter of sensitivity so that we simply don't have children who sometimes feel bad about things that went before? I would say the latter, uh, Pat. Um, and uh, I, I always, you know, having been a high school principal, and you have to have what's called alternative curriculum for everything. Uh, we had it, and it was in my office. And uh, parent, if parents came to me and said, I don't want my kid, well, like uh, um, the uh, Holocaust movie about the factory where the, um, uh, the German kept all those... Uh, Jews safe during uh, oh, war. Yeah, uh, no, speak up, dear. Yes, yes, Schindler's that's list. it. Schindler's Thank List. You. My producer, my producer, former Catholic nun, still speaks like this. And, <laughs> yes, Schindler's List. Oh, Thank you. Schindler's List. Well, the, the producer made that available to every school in America for free. And we put all our kids on the bus and sent them to Des Moines to watch it in oh. a big movie theater. But there were a few who their parents said, no, we don't want them to see that. Why? Well, I'm not really sure. But that the parents came to school, and I said, well, what if, if you and the kids and I watch it together? Because I've got the cassette right here. Yes. And most of them did. And they said, boy, I wish I'd... I wish I'd uh, let, let my, my kids go. And that, ha that happens often. I want to encourage parents to, you know, if there's a book you're wondering about, read it first. And then, if you think you need to, read it with your children and talk about it together. Frame the conversation in your values. Oh, if we pretend that a horror never happened, it will happen again. Pat, this has been happening with Mouse recently, the graphic novel M -A -U -S. Mouse. M-A-U-S. Yes, and I, I was interviewed for um, uh, Le Monde, the French uh, international newspaper, and also for the um, uh, Washington Post about that. And I, it was also, I was in Newsweek magazine, being, magazine. But what I said was, the Holocaust was disturbing and horrible. And if we don't read books and learn the information about how horrible it was and disgusting it was, we're, we're not teaching it correctly. What about, um, what about the, the regional generality that people make? There, there are people listening right now who are in sometimes big cities in the South, sometimes the rural South, but that region seems to always be generalized about. And folks, you know what? We're not just talking about libraries in Tuscaloosa. Not at all. Because we're talking about libraries being defunded in Michigan. Yeah. The home of the Wolverines? Why, that's a pretty progressive state, isn't it? Huh? But no, Michigan, that's... That's right now a problem area where people are trying to keep their libraries open because there are some books that some folks are opposed to. Our place, Iowa, I went to school in Iowa. Our guest went to school in Iowa. In fact, I dare say 
that he's not invited on because of this, but I found out when reading his biography, went to same high school and college at the same time. He taught, I went, not at the same time. Uh, in Arizona, there are people talking about banning some books. So it's, it's not a regional thing, and it's not also a, a rural thing or an agricultural community. Those small towns, what do they know? No, it's across the country, and whether it's evangelical Christians or whether it's Jews or whether it's somebody that doesn't belong to a church at all but just simply doesn't want his kid reading those books, there are things to do if a parent objects to a particular book, right? Well, let's talk about obscenity, Pat, because um, uh, the court precedents over, over the, uh, the, the history of the United States, and I'll be teaching about this in my class in, in two weeks, they have set precedents on obscenity, and you can find that a book is obscene and ban it for that reason. You can do that. And the court precedents have said when the major theme of the book is just having sex, uh, that's an, a, a, an un, quote, unwholesome appeal to period interest, that's obscene. It can be banned for that. And I would say, yes, if it's just a book of pornography, yes, we let's get that book out of the library and away, away from kids. And the Supreme Courts of this country yes. have regularly had to make judgmental decisions oh, about obscenity. Go, going back to um, James Joyce's Ulysses, and they've kind of come up with a three-pronged test. And, and that is this, because uh, I can remember when I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings was challenged in Des Moines, Maya Angelou's uh, autobiography up through the age of 16, Maya Angelou was raped as a teenager. And there's a, there's a, a very, um, oh, it isn't graphically described exactly, but, it, but it's, it, it's in there. Um, and so that book was challenged. Descriptive. In, yes, in, 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 in uh, Catholic schools in Des Moines. Um, that challenge didn't, didn't fly. Uh, the, um, but anyway, the, the courts have said three-pronged tests. If, it, if the book taken as a whole, not just one little part of it, but as a whole, uh, is obscene, um, and if it uh, uh, doesn't have any redeeming social, political, historical value... And if it is, you know, de depicting um, uh, illegal sex acts, then yes, that's that's obscenity, and that that book uh, uh, that book shouldn't be shouldn't be in 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 the public domain. You know, there are books, and, and I can think I there was one that was challenged here in Arizona, Dreaming in Cuban, because it had some sex uh, rape scenes in it, when soldiers uh, took over the island uh, of of Cuba, and you know, it is a fact that rape is a terrorist act that soldiers sometimes use uh, in, in war, and I think it's good for high school people to know about that. It's going on today in the it, Ukraine. Surely it is, yes. It has been going on in Mariupol and, uh, and other places, and if we're preparing high school students to be adults and to make decisions in, a, in an adult world, I think they should read books. Now, they, they, they need to read them with some help from parents and teachers and so on. Is it a matter of parents saying we don't have the time, we don't have the time 
to go through all of the books that our kids are expected to read. Uh, how can parents control this uh, to any degree that uh, they feel comfortable doing this? Who do they talk to? Because there are some things that this parent uh, might object to. And this parent says, that's fine with me. I think it's a great example of why we shouldn't be doing that kind of behavior. How is a parent going to be able to take the time? I would say be active in your community. Be active in your children's education. Um, talk to other parents. But join the PTA or whatever it's called uh, in, in your, your area. You know, when I left the University of Northern Iowa, my college wrestling coach, Chuck Patton, said, when you get where you're going, because he thought it was his job not just to win the National Wrestling Championship, but, but to prepare teachers and principals and it, uh, folks who work with uh, young people to be a part of a community and to help that community to be the best that it could be. He what, said, was his, you, what was his name? Chuck Patton. Wait, wasn't he the coach of the National Championship Two wrestling times. Team? Coach Patton won the National there Championship was, twice. There was a 150-pounder that I remember uh, <laughs> named Blasingame related. That's me. That is I, I should say, predicate nominative. <laughs> because and, we, have, we have folks right now, I promise you there are folks right here down the street from Iowa say, wait a minute, I remember that. I know that name. And you know, that group of wrestlers that we had, those 10 starters, they would become superintendents and principals. Uh, Dave Cunningham's an elementary principal in northeastern Iowa. Um, they would become, uh, Jim Miller would be the winningest coach in the history of college wrestling at Wartburg in Waverly, Iowa. Yes, there is and, a place called Wartburg. <laughs> oh, and uh, uh, doctors, um, one of them would be in charge of all the emergency rooms in Los Angeles. Uh, other medical doctors, Cass Igram, Bruce McClure, um, they grew up to be great people. But Coach, Coach Patton said, when you get where you're going, and he was imagining like Hiawatha, Iowa, or LaPorte City or something, um, become deeply involved in the community. Be on the PTA. Uh, be on the library board. Uh, get involved. So um, you can't read every book that your kids read, but you can uh, visit with the, the teachers and the librarian. Go to parent-teacher uh, conferences. And, and so on. I might, add, I might add that Wartburg had a disproportionate number of dermatologists graduate there. <laughs> um, however, uh, to prevent banning books, to prevent this kind of thing, uh, leaving it up to the families individually in their homes to say, this is how I feel about this. Let's talk about it. What do you expect parents to be able to do to prevent a defunding of the library in their neighborhood. Well, we have to be careful about defunding libraries because libraries are the, they're the nerve center of so many small communities. But it's happening in those small communities. It, yes, yes, it is. But it's where grandparents go to get on the Internet and Zoom with their grandchildren, wherever they are. It's where people out of work go to look at the want ads. It's it's, it's where uh, I can go and get a book on how to fix my car myself. It's, I mean, it's, uh, it, that in the schools, in small communities, the library is key. Don't, don't defund it. Um, find out about these books. And, and uh, you know, my, uh, my grandmother was a reader. She lived on 10 acres of, of woods, and she had an extensive library. And my mother was a reader. We lived um, in a, 
a small town in Iowa. And my mother was a model for us of, of reading. Didn't have a, anything more than a high school education, but she was always reading the best sellers and taking us to the bookmobile. And she modeled reading. Model reading for your kids. Maybe you just want to read, you know, nonfiction uh, stories about things that are close to your life, but let your kids see that you're a reader and talk to them about books. Talk to the parents right now who are deeply concerned that their children, their grandchildren, might be encouraged to enter, to introduce themselves to, to pursue a different life uh, because they are encouraged to do so by the hero, the heroine, in a book about homosexuality, uh, about uh, a different attitude toward the street life of racial minorities, uh, to be encouraged by trans life, the kinds of lives and lifestyles that are in opposition to that family's standards. They're afraid that by reading positive things about those kinds of lives that their children would be encouraged. Uh, thank you, Pat. Now, as you know, I was uh, president of the Assembly on Literature for Adolescents. I was the editor of its journal. Uh, I was its executive director. Uh, over the course of 20 years, I did the pages, Books for Adolescents of the International Reading Association's journal. Uh, I've won the Arbuthnot Award. That, but anyway, um, I've published book reviews on several hundred young adult novels, and I've never read one, or am I aware of one, because my students have to do another 350 a year. <laughs> I've never been aware of one in which a protagonist encouraged readers to take a bad lifestyle. Uh, books about trans characters, for example, it's about how they were bullied and how they were treated badly and about how they, they tried uh, to, survive, to survive it all anyway. We did a study of, what was it, 247 readers in Maricopa County, starting out on the Salt River, um, uh, Maricopa Pima Nation, and coming through the suburbs into central Phoenix of what teenage readers thought was a good book. And they said, well, we like a book that has a protagonist who reminds me of ourselves, who faces adversity, has a tough time, but survives. And in the end, they've learned enough and grown enough from facing uh, this adversity and surviving that it, it's, there's hope. There's hope that they can go on and take whatever life has uh, to give them. And let's take, for example, he's won every award there is, Jason Reynolds. Um, and he wrote like American Boys. He writes books about what happens to to black teenage boys. And he often co-writes with Brandon Keeley, who's a white author, and they'll put a white character and a black character together and show, well, what happens if these two guys are in a store and somebody shoplifts and the, the uh, clerk calls the police? What happens? Does the black uh, kid get treated the same way the white kid does? I, I think we can you know, kind of guess the answer to that. But those are what the books are doing. Uh, they're not saying, um, well, you're straight now, but let's, uh, let's see if we can't get you to become gay. And I just can't imagine that ever happening. <laughs> but should our kids be allowed total literary freedom? 
I mean, they're growing up and they have to have some kind of restrictions on virtually everything. They can't drink until they're 21 and they can't drive until they're 16. But books and stories and impressive storylines by impre- about impressive people are available to them. So we just simply say, read whatever you want, and if you've got questions later on, ask me. Pat, that's a good question. And there are professional organizations, the International Literacy Association, the uh, middle level and secondary level uh, uh, sections of the National Council of Teachers of English, the American Library Association, who publish lists, annotated lists, saying these are the best books we think of the year, and here's what they're about. Uh-huh. And you can read those, and in, uh, in an hour, you could come up with 100 books that, you, that your young person could read, and they could all be empowering, uh, inspiring books. And if there's a book you think, eh, I don't know about this one, well, don't let them read that one. You have had so much background as an educator yourself and as somebody who's been involved with the spiritual aspect of growth what kind of books do you think should be restricted from public libraries? That, Not that, school libraries, public libraries. Well, well that, that's a good question, and I, I, I kind of feel that the same way about both. Um, I get all the advanced reading copies from all the publishers. 35 publishers send me the books before they come out, and they they're haven't been proofread, and they're, they have bad glue and pulpy paper, and they fall apart, but... Uh, and they want to know what I, what I think. And I can't read all of them, but I read a lot of them. And I can remember one book came, and it starts with a teenage boy and girl having sex. And I thought, well, what's the purpose of this? This doesn't move the plot forward. There's, there's nothing here but just gratuitous uh, sex. And I, no, this is, I, I, do, I do not approve of this book. And if there's a book that fits those Supreme Court, the three-pronged test, that it's, it's just about uh, the pornography and there's no redeeming value to it, then no, we don't need those books. And um, most authors of young adult books, and, and probably children's books, it's not an issue, but they know uh, that um, I, if I can't get this book in the library, there's no point in writing and I, I'm not going to, it's not going to make any money for me. So... They, they know what's, what, what a good book is. The library in my neighborhood, the public library, because there are different standards for a different audience if you're talking about the school library. Uh, but the public library is representative of the very essence of constitutional freedom of speech. If we or they or some keep banning books or threatening libraries with defunding, threatening librarians with their jobs, as as happens now fairly regularly in some communities, isn't that against the very essence of freedom of speech? I just was reading uh, somebody's uh, essay about the fact that democracy is going down the old porcelain convenience Uh, that it's being flushed away uh, by so many people wanting to restrict 
what we say, what we do, even the comics who appear on campuses and colleges and universities are used to. Now they don't want to bother because they're going to offend somebody uh, with their routines. Are we doomed? Well, it's, it's uh, interesting you should say that, Pat, because once again, there is a Supreme Court precedent on this. And what the courts have said more than once is that every time there's a new school board, they can't go through the library and pick out all the books that each of them personally do doesn't want in there because, the quote, the library is thought to be a, a center of knowledge and winnowing out books. Eventually, you wouldn't have any books. And I would say the same thing for um, the public library, that every time there's a new city council, they can't go through the library and, well, I don't like this one because uh, it makes people like me uh, look... <laughs> <laughs> look bad, or else you'll wind up with 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 no books. And and shouldn't books, well, make you uncomfortable sometimes if you're not afraid to take a look take a look at, at yourself. But isn't it okay to be uncomfortable sometimes? Well, you know, this is what we call in education productive discomfort, productive discomfort. And and let me tell you something, Pat. I'm every day I learn more about being married. <laughs> every day. <laughs> And, all right. Your mom and dad said, you see, you married that ballroom dancer that was Miss Nevada. We told you you'd be uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I, I know, I, I hope Lori doesn't mind me talking about this. Um, but uh, I've always liked dogs that weigh about 200 pounds. And they're, I'll admit, they're not very practical. And we finally came to the end of all of our Great Pyrenees. I've had three. Great oh, Pyrenees are wonderful oh. dogs. But they can't go in and out of the dog door. <laughs> so she said, this time, let's get a dog that can go in and out of the dog door and doesn't, doesn't bark at everything that he thinks is or she thinks is going to get the flock of sheep. And um, a dog that uh, is gentle and quiet. And we just did. We just got Zena. Uh, she was um, picked up by the tribal police on the Navajo Nation, just about to pop with three puppies. What is it? Uh, well, she's 17 different breeds. Uh, they did the DNA on her, and funny, wouldn't you know, 17%, the biggest percentage was Great Pyrenees. <laughs> but she's also Malamute, Border Collie. She's even got Wolfhound and Chihuahua in her. She's the typical mutt. Oh, and does she, she fit in the do dog she door? She can get in out of the dog door. It took her one minute to figure out the dog door. And she is as smart as a whip. Oh, my God. Listen, we've got 30 seconds. And my seconds. wife loves her. My we've wife got 30 loves her. seconds. I'm a big dog guy, too, and I have a small one in addition. But help mom and dad. 30 seconds. Help mom and dad right now that's listening. Okay, go to the American Library Association website. Uh, look at their list of best books uh, for readers and read the annotations and see, okay, is this a book that I would want for my for my. Uh, my uh, child, and if it says there is some sex in this, and well, maybe you don't, or there is this or that, then then there are lots of other books that the American Library Association has recommended. Choose one of those, including the Bible, and there's some sex in that too. <laughs> this has been the God Show, and I'm Pat McMahon. 